What's up, everybody? It's Zach, and you're tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. You can find me on Twitter, at Zach Hernand. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing? Uh, what's going on, Zach? What's going on, guys? Uh, to find me on Twitter, as always, will be Perry underscore 49ers. Again, at Perry, P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49ERS. All right, yeah, make sure you guys go follow him if you haven't already. And make sure you're following uh, the podcast on Twitter at RGSPod, as in Red Gold Standard Pod. Uh, this week, we had an interesting episode. We were lucky enough to be blessed by the presence of a lovely guest that Anthony had the pleasure of interviewing. Uh, Anthony, go ahead and tell them who you had the chance to talk to. Alright guys, I got to talk to the Vice President and Executive Producer of 49er Studios, Robert Alberino. Uh, this is a guy who cuts up all the videos, he edits all the videos, he produces, he's uh, he's kind of like the headmaster control guy of uh, putting out all the Niners videos that everyone loves. This includes just any of the awesome edits like mic'd up, brick by brick, and uh, so on. So, big thank you to Robert Alberino. It was probably one of the best interviews I think I've ever done so far. Yeah, and on top of all of that, he's, you know, a beloved, faithful member of the 49ers on Twitter. People love the guy, and rightfully so. Um, So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and cut right to this interview. And uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think. What's going on, Faithful? This is your boy, Anthony Perry, with uh, a special guest on our podcast today. Today, I am joined by Robert Alberino. So, Robert, let us uh, let the Niners faithful know what you do exactly with the Niners. So, first of all, thanks for having me on. Super, super excited. And uh, I don't think I've been on this podcast, so I feel like, you know, this is our, our maiden voyage. Um, I am the vice president and executive producer for the team, um, which means I have uh, – I have a bunch of hats that I wear, but mostly my job is to bring incredible content, uh, all the things that you see on game day, the things that you see on 49ers.com, uh, working alongside an incredible marketing team, um, branding and marketing the team to uh, the incredible faithful who, who call us their, uh, their club, and uh, traveling with the team wherever they go and just putting out the greatest stories, uh, having access beyond access to the 49ers so that everybody out there has a chance to see what the team is about. That that's the easiest way to describe my job. The best way to describe it is I have the best job in the world because I get to basically peek behind the curtain all day long for the team and and bring it to the faithful. You know, what makes a lot of people good at their job, it starts with just, uh, just enjoying it thoroughly. And quite truthfully, when you really enjoy your job, I think that's what brings the best out of you. It's what brings the best out of people. And, you said it best, you know, you love your job. So what about it specifically? Do you love your job? I mean, you're with the best franchise in all of football. Where does it even start? Right, right. So you, well, you said it, this is uh this is actually my 25th year in the NFL. So um, it's been an amazing ride for me. I've actually been with a few clubs prior to this. I was with the Eagles for 14 years. I was with the chiefs for three and the, the 49ers called in 2013 and, you know, uh, to, to quote the Godfather made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And uh, my family and I moved out here to the Bay and we were beyond excited. And we, you know, that was a great year for us in 2013. So truly understanding how big this fan base is. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a placating way. I, I have never seen fans of a team um, just be so 
unbelievably unbridled and passionate about the team. That That is one of my favorite things about the gig. Um, a great example of that, I was just sitting down yesterday with uh, with George uh, Kittle and, and Fred Warner, and we were just kind of talking a little bit about the faithful taking over road trips. And when you see the amount of fans in places that you would never expect to see fans, that just shows you how, I mean, Cincinnati, for example, Tampa Bay, I mean, you're talking tens of thousands of fans in, in an away stadium, turning it to a home field. When th- those when those folks have the love for the team like that, you have to have people in our positions who love their jobs. And um, I think you know, uh, it was said best by by really the CEO of the Sixers. If you really love your job, his name is Scott O'Neill, and he works closely with our president Al Guido. If you really love your job, you'll sprint to work and then you'll sprint home. And I really love that thought process because I can't wait to get to work in the morning, but I also can't wait to get home and spend time with my kids and tell them about my day. Um, There's just so many things that I love about it. Um, But I I would say number one, interacting with people and the fans that make it a reality are are the best part. Yeah, you hear a lot of former players, current players, they always talk about the fans. They credit the fans when it comes to traveling, they credit the fans when it comes to support. And it's just never ending with these guys. And even coming from a staffer like you, hearing you talk about the fan support really goes to show just how important it is to the team as a whole. Oh, huge, huge. We actually called on on, on your, you know, your club to come help us uh, identify what we're missing in our stadium. You know, we realize we've had five tough years. You know, we've had five tough years. The feeling of winning now, Anthony, to just give you an example, it, it's unbelievable. You know, prior to this year, you know, we, we really struggled. We struggled on the field and it takes a while to build something amazing. And then when you see it built, it's unbelievable. But then you realize like, hey, what are some things that we need to do? And we went and the first call we made was to the fans and guys like yourself and the people um, that, you know, surround you and a lot of other clubs, um, fan clubs around the country, because we knew that if we were going to be good here and if we were going to have this truly be a home field advantage, which, oh my God, if you've been to a game recently, which I know you have, it it is a home field advantage. And in big part, that's us not telling the fans what's up. That's the fans telling us what's up. And that's really been, um, you know, you got to listen too. You have to listen a lot. And and we really listened. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, now the, the, the fans um, have, have added all sorts of new chants and thoughts to what's happening in game day. And there is, on average, my hand to God, maybe 20 times my phone pings or rings um, from fans just kind of checking in and, and seeing, you know, how things are going or, hey, did you ever think about this or that? And no idea is a, no idea is a bad idea. So if you have an idea and you don't have my cell phone, which I won't give out on this podcast, but <laughs> if you, if, if you want to connect with me at Robert Alberino on Twitter, easiest way, find me, send me messages. I answer everybody. So I want to hear all your good ideas. Again, you know, having your type of job, being able to get input and feedback from millions and millions of fans, just it it has to make your job a lot easier. And especially for the people around you, it's got to make everything so much more creative. You know, I'm 22 years old, so I've gotten to go to a lot of Niners games in my life. And just when when the tunnel is out there and the players are running out and you hear all the fans just chanting their last name, something about that as a fan just gets you so hyped up. And you even see it in the players, too. You really see them get hyped up as well. 
So when you see that kind of thing happening, what's going through your mind, seeing that the fans are almost directly interacting with the players in a sense? You you said it. They are directly interacting with the players. And, you know, uh, I don't want to steal our enemy's thought process, but, you know, they're an extra they're an extra man on that field. You know, they talk about the 12s in Seattle. Uh, I beg to differ. I mean, I see the 12s all around, you know, when we're talking about the faithful. It's like we have extra people on the field when you see those moments. Um, I'm sitting in the control room on game day, and one of my jobs is to produce football. So when you're on game day, when, when we have a home game, I'm in a control room. I've got about 40-plus people working to my left and my right, women and men uh, doing everything from camera operation, graphics, replays, you name it. And my job is to call all of the replays. But I'm sitting – in a room that has no windows, okay? So I'm, I'm literally in a, it, it looks like NASA. I'm in this massive control center. And I often will connect with my, really my director of broadcast operations. He's my executive producer on game day. He is in a front room and he has windows open and he can see what's going on. And I will often say to him, I probably said five times in this game, his name's Aaron Kennedy, we call him AK. I go, hey, AK. What are the fans doing out there? He's like, dude, they're so loud. I can't even hear you. Okay, we're on defense. I'm happy to hear that. Now Jimmy's got the ball. I'm like, AK, do I need to put quiet at work on the boards? As He's like, no, dude, the fans are killing it right now. They're dead quiet, and I can literally hear the center calling out you know, defensive fronts. So, I mean, it, it makes my job really, really easy, and the fans are an absolute part of what we're doing. And uh, George and – Fred, to their credit, said that there has not been a stadium that they have been in. This is their words, not mine. There has not been a stadium that they have been in this year where the other team didn't have to go to a silent count at a time because of those fans. Just think about that. Think about how unbelievable it is. That's coming from the mouths of players. So talk about inclusion. There it is right there. Like the fans literally are a part of the 7-0 and right now. Knock on wood. Hopefully we continue that. Pardon my language, but uh, that's pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. You know, you said it <laughs> that's earlier. true. All true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you said it earlier. The Niners, the past five years, you know, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, we had the Jim Harbaugh days. Then we went through Chip Kelly, Jim Tom Sula, and so on. And, you know, now we're getting this uh, almost finished product where everything is coming together. And it's just so beautiful to watch. So I got to ask you. With the team playing so well already, it seems like everything is flowing well in motion. What's the vibe like around the whole team? Um, great question. The vibe is one, and this is going to sound weird, but you got to hear me out. Everybody's calm. You know, I think that that they sort of expected this. Maybe the world didn't expect it. And I'm not going to lie and say I expected us to be 7-0, and but I definitely didn't expect us to be 1-6. and You know, I think that um, – I think everybody's calm and everybody's looking to play, you know, literally that next game. I mean, I, the wonderful thing about football is, and, and maybe for yourself or, or for your crew, you know, you, you ride that win until the next game, right? You're so excited. And you might've heard this before, but I mean, we really only get to celebrate maybe an hour and a half after the game. And then it's literally business as usual. And especially with a short game, like the Arizona game that's coming up, I mean, we, we really have three and a half days to cram in a, you know, a seven-day work week. Um, so there's really no looking back. You can, we're driving out the, the, the windshield, not the rearview mirror, and everybody's just looking on to the next one. We're not looking past them, and we're not enjoying what just happened. 
we enjoy it for a hot minute. And guess what? You know, get your button gear. We're going on to the next one. And um, the vibe is this like calm, humble, confident, um, definitely, definitely energetic. We're not laid back. Like people are juiced up. We're having fun. A lot of smiles. But there's a purposeful urgency without chaos. Uh, that might be maybe a little bit too uh, too existential, but it's like a, a really good urgent calmness. We're we're taking care of business. Yeah, and you definitely see that on the field too. You know, I think one of the best players to resemble this is guys like Richard Sherman. You know, he is such a personality, and everyone knows him from his Seattle days, and he's he's almost carried over that personality to San Francisco in a sense, but at the same time, you see his demeanor up on the podium during interviews and he's so real and so relaxed. And then you see other guys on the Niners go up there and take interview questions, Jimmy G, Joe Staley, um, you know, even Emmanuel Sanders. It's like, these guys are so calm and it just resonates throughout the whole team. So now that'll lead me into this. When you see the guys being so calm, and you know almost so relaxed does that reflect on you guys as well do you guys kind of carry out their demeanor also yeah very much so and it's a great question because you know i want to get hyped up and i want to get excited because i am a fan just like you couldn't love the game more that's why i'm a part of it um you know i'm 178 pounds and i say that i'm in the nfl and people are like i don't understand what that means well you know that's my one easy line to say that i work for a team but the, you know, I wish I could put on a helmet and run through people, but I can't. Um, but we are, um, we are really, really excited, but also very calm because, you know, we were on those, this is going to sound crazy, but in about the third quarter, maybe three and a half quarters against the Panthers, I actually felt bad for the team and the guys working for the Panthers team because I know a lot of those guys. And by the way, we were there for the last, whatever, four or five years. And, you know, we're kind of taking it one step at a time. Um, but our job is not to get too high and not to get too low. And obviously, in, in, in the past five years, there's an easy chance to get down on yourself, hang your head, not care about your work. But that's never been the case for us. And in this year, it's easy to get inflated and think of who we are and, you know, think that our crap doesn't stink. But it absolutely, you know, the most important thing for us is to just remain very, very level um, because anything can happen on any Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And, and we know it. You know, our life is dictated by that scoreboard and has been ever since we took this job. So with each and every week, we sort of remain calm. We take, just like you said, Ant, we take the, the demeanor from the players. Um, and if they're the ones who are really in the spotlight and that's how they act, we absolutely should be reflecting that demeanor and that vibe. You know, that's an excellent answer. And that actually leads me to uh, this question right now. With the way the team's playing you know, compared to the previous few years, like I said, you've seen all the roller coasters of emotions. What do you feel is most different about this team compared to the previous few years? You know, I don't know. The funny thing is this team has been fairly similar for the past couple of years, but I can only compare it to other teams that I've been on across different clubs and, and in different situations, winning situations and losing situations. I think that, you know, when you take your lumps, and you, you know, you really are, you, that's where teams are built. And I mean that in, in, in not even the football sense, but like, let's say you're working for a business or your folks or your best friends, you know, working for a business and maybe business is down or, you know, they run into some hard times, whatever it might be. 
there's sort of a fight or flight mentality and you you either bond together through adversity or you say you know what I, i'm out you know and and it's too much for me and i think this team knowing that it had to build and, and i'll i'll use a great example um and when i was in kansas city with the chiefs um, we had some okay years and then we had some really, really lousy years and it. And then we brought in a coach named Andy Reed and I had left right when Andy Reed came in. I was with Andy for a decade in Philly and was a big part of helping bring him in. But Andy built that team immediately. They went nine and oh, the first year Andy was there. Think about that. In 2013, they went nine and oh, and they were building and building and building. And now the Chiefs are a formidable team. It's been almost seven, well, it's been seven seasons that I've been gone. So seven seasons, Andy's been there. They've been building for seven seasons and patiently working hard. What does that mean for the 49ers? We were doing the same thing, but we were doing it in a much more truncated time period. In three years, we've gotten to where we were. And, and the Chiefs, who, I mean, before the season started, they were the heavyweights. They, they don't have anything to show for it. No AFC championship titles, no Super Bowls. They're working super hard to get to that point. It takes a long time to build. And, and John, Kyle, Jed have done an amazing job of in that short time with all that crazy turnover prior to this to get this thing going. So the, really the last three years, um, I don't know if, you know, if, if the, the team itself has changed. I think the mentality is we got to build. We're going to do it the right way. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to get done in a day. And I think the team understands that. They took their lumps early, and now they know what they have. They know what they did. And by the way, all of those amazing things that are happening for the team maybe don't happen if you if you don't take your lumps. Maybe Nick Bosa doesn't come to us, you know, if we're if we're middle of the pack. Quan Alexander certainly isn't a part of this team, if not for another 56 making mistakes. I mean, <laughs> a lot of things have to happen to get you to this point, right? And so there we are. And it's really not a mistake. It's a process. Um, and so I think the team is just really calm and sort of putting things together. It's, it's an interesting dynamic, but definitely chemistry and personal relationships have a lot to do with that because these guys have been in the bunker for quite some time. Yeah, you can almost refer to some of the bad luck the Niners have had in previous years as kind of an, uh, a blessing in disguise. You know, they have one of the best defensive fronts in all of football, a very solid linebacking core, and what looks to be a really solid secondary. And I mean, that's just talking about the defense and, you know, don't even get me into the offense. But, <laughs> you know, the past few years, this team has had to face a lot of adversity. And quite frankly, they've had to face quite a bit this year. Uh, I've seen that Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert were dinged up today. Obviously, both tackles have been injured. Kyle Juszczyk is hurt. So I got to ask you, when you see the team playing as well as, as it is, facing this kind of adversity, what do you think is really going through their minds? Because it seems like that with guys like Justin School and Daniel Brunskill and even uh, Ross Dwelly playing fullback, you know, this coach, coaching staff just believes in their guys entirely. So I got to ask you, What's it like seeing everyone just pretty much believe in each other? It, it's it's pretty amazing. And I've seen this with other teams that I've been with, again, and it plays out really, really well. If, in fact, everybody stays steady and calm and continues to work, I think that, um, you know, the one thing I really like is the next man up mentality. Again, as you just mentioned, Anthony, prior to that is when you face adversity, when guys go down and, and you know, you have a guy like Jimmy who goes down and you lose him for a full year. What does that mean? Oh, it means our season's over. No, it means that now your backup quarterback probably gets to be one of the highest rated backup quarterbacks in the league outside of probably Teddy Bridgewater. 
What does that mean? That means that, you know, some offensive lineman gets some incredible reps. What does that mean? That means Raheem Mostert's not scared to get handed the ball, you know, in a game because the kid has taken some unbelievable licks and has become not only arguably one of the best special teamers in the league, but a hell of a number two running back. And, and I don't even know if I can call him a number two running back. We have so many good running backs. He's like 1A, 1B, 1C. So, um, so I think that by, by losing some pieces, and without a doubt, we have faced a ton of adversity. Name any team that loses its you know, right and left um, tackles, and they're starting, um, you know, starting fullback. And by the way, you know, a starting secondary member and doesn't miss a beat, by the way, not only that, but just dominates the hell out of people. I'd say that's adversity. We've taken our licks already, and it's only whatever it is, week eight. I don't even know if we count the bye week, right? I, th- I still think it's week seven, but it's week eight. And um, knock on wood, hopefully we, we don't uh, face any more you know severe injuries. But I'm confident that if we do, we have a, an unbelievable stable, an unbelievable bench. Um, I think you got to check me on this because this might just be my, by the way, I'm 49 years old. Is that like the greatest age to be right now? (laughs) But my 49-year-old brain might forget this. I think when the Packers won the Super Bowl last, they had 17 guys on IR. Just think about how crazy that is. Clearly, I don't ever want to be in that situation and face that kind of adversity. But, you know, it's not over till the fat lady sings. And we have, there's a lot of football left, which is good and bad. Um, so hopefully these guys continue to, to, you know, bond together and look, our guys are healing up fast. I can't wait to see Joe and Mike and and Kyle back, you know, ready, you know, ready to play on offense, but the other guys are playing incredibly admirably. Yeah. I totally got to follow up with what you're saying. You know, one of, I think the more underrated and kind of cool stories is Daniel Brunskill. He played in the, uh, what was it? The AAF? For some, he played in there for a little while until it folded. Then all of a sudden, he gets a call from the Niners saying, "Hey, do you want to be a Niner?" And you know, it happened just like that. So, being able to see guys who, you know, at first almost seemed like they didn't have a chance, just come step into an organization where they fully believe in the guy, you know, really just affects his overall play. And it really goes to show how uh, just how mentally and physically prepared this team is. And now that's when I got to yeah, ab- go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I, I think I know where you're going, but, 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 you know, I, I mean, that is just credit to John and Kyle, you know, that's a system that's making good decisions. And, you know, I look, I'm literally looking over my shoulder out my window. Cause I I'm, I'm on the second floor of Levi's and I can see the practice fields from here and everybody's car is there. These guys are sleeping here. And even, even some of my team members sleep here. Uh, luckily I live like 10 minutes away, so I never have to sleep here, but you know, they're grinding and they're, they have not stopped looking. They're not stopped searching. Cause if the bottom drops out and something like, bam, they're ready to go. And I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's, I mean, th- that's all those guys just understanding, you know, what pieces they need on the chessboard at all times. No, don't even worry about cutting me off, man. Uh, this is awesome. So you have, you know, guys who, like you said, the team is kind of similar from the past couple of years. They've been coming out of a relatively unlucky and losing culture. And now all of a sudden you see the team is seven and zero. They're ready to come into Arizona Thursday night, just well rested, well prepared. I gotta ask you, at what point during this season did you start to realize that something special was really going on? The the true answer to that, truthfully, was probably like the third day of training camp. 
I swear, uh, it's a true story. I've been to, you know, 25 training camps. And at one point you look around, you're like, that guy's pretty good. That guy's pretty good. We're going to have to make some really, really hard decisions. And, you know, the, 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 the father in me, I have three kids. Actually, one of them works for the Minnesota Vikings, so we're an NFL family. But the father in me always feels bad because all these wonderful kids come in. They're all like your age, and they're playing their guts out for a job. And you just know that, you know, there's 90 of them, and you're going to lose like whatever, 35 of them, you know, at the snap of a finger at the back end of August. And I thought to myself, it's going to be a really, really hard decision to get rid of some of these guys. And most of these guys are going to be on a squad or a practice squad somewhere in the league because we had such a good amount of talent. And the other thing is, I think these guys were tired of, you know, tired of losing, tired of being the doormat, tired of, of you know, going into a place and, and thinking, you know what, we're probably not going to win this game. Um, now you think when you watch a game as opposed to, oh, what is the opposing offense going to do to us? You're like, I can't wait to see the defense back on the field. When was the last time you said that? When was the last time you said, I can't wait to see our defense back on the field? Probably 2013, 2012, 2011, right? <laughs> um, yeah. But now I'm not, I'm not fearful. I'm not fearful because we have a complete football team. Again, there is so much football left, and I am without a doubt not a coach, um, but certainly somebody who enjoys the game and understands the game. Um, but man, I like watching every phase of our game. I like watching, you know, Mitch put his head down and try to knock somebody out. I like watching, you know, a stable of running backs just grind down a defense. I love watching our defense take the field and having and just wreck wreck a game plan. Um, it's uh, so I saw that sort of happening. I didn't see seven and zero happening. I'll go back to the beginning of this conversation, but <laughs> I did see a successful season. And honestly, it started in probably mid July for me, late July. It was just, it just felt different. You know what I mean, Anthony? It just felt better. And I just, I really trust Kyle and John. And I think the faithful out there should do the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's funny when, uh, you know, the trade deadline was today, you know, you didn't hear too many big names move around. And then a few days ago, the, or a few days ago, about a week ago, the Niners obviously acquire Emmanuel Sanders. And people are going, what? That's not A.J. Green. What? That's not Julio Jones. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you got to fully trust John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan because uh, these guys absolutely know what they're doing. They do. They do. And, and, and it's funny. I have been in the position where, you know, why did we get rid of that guy? Or, oh, my God, I can't believe we picked that guy up. And I will never know in a hundred lifetimes what those guys know. So I caution anybody who's listening to this, who feels that they know NFL. I have, I have watched more games. My, my wife, Lisa, who is God bless her. She's the most wonderful thing in the world. She will watch a game with me and get so upset because before the snap happens, I start to diagnose what's happening, what's happening in the pit, where the play is going to go. And I'm probably 90% right at, at that is a truthful statement. If she was on here, she would tell you it's almost obnoxious. I sort of know where things are going because I see things in slow motion. I, I am like a one-year-old compared to what those guys have seen and know. Um, and so you've got you've to trust that they know what chess pieces, again, that they need to go get and put on their board. No matter how much we second guess, um, the, these, you know, John, Kyle, that stable of coaches over there, they're they're ridiculous savants they totally understand it and you hear so much about kyle but you don't hear about 
the offensive line coaches. You don't hear about the quarterback coaches, all these, these running back coaches. These guys are putting in all this time, and they're this river of knowledge that then is, you know, Kyle is that conduit. Um, and they just know what pieces they need. And, you know, we everybody questioned, not everybody, I shouldn't say that, but, you know, putting Sanders on the field and paid off in the first drive, right? Like, we all were laughing. We saw that. We're like, we're like, of course, there, of course, he's going to catch the first time. How could he not catch? And it was like an unlikely touchdown that he had to fight for. And George had to like pick him up and move him into the end zone. But any way you cut it, he came away with six points on like, you know, his first catch. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, when you see something like that, it makes you think that, you know, we're not looking for the guy to put up 100 plus yards, three touchdowns every single week. I think what Shanahan and Robert Salah have done best is just emphasizing role players. You see how constantly they rotate the defensive line. You see how often they rotate the wide receivers, the tight ends, and so on. And it's, you know, it really shows that no one on this team is selfish. No one cares about playing time. No one cares about saying, oh, coach, I should be out there. Oh, coach, you know, everyone seems to just trust each other. And that goes to show just how effective chemistry can really be especially in winning situations such as what the Niners are going through now yeah I guarantee you if you asked anybody Anthony any single player on that team they would take collective goals over personal goals anybody would like if I asked you you know if you're working with your crew if you're working with your friends like if we all succeed is it better than me succeeding tremendously and the other five guys you know not getting any praise like no way they have taken I out of their vocabulary, and it's and which I think is a great thing for any human to do in any business. And it should be we, we, we all the time. Like, forget the I crap because, I mean, it doesn't, you know, think about teams like the Patriots, who I don't want to think about because I am not a Patriots fan <laughs> by any stretch. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm the complete converse of a Patriot fan. But they do something that a lot of teams should take note, like with the exception of Tom Brady. They don't have a ton of A-plus players, but they have a host of B-plus players across every, you know, every facet. And, you know, you don't hear the same guy getting his name called because they just do such a good job. They beat you by a million paper cuts. And, you know, I'd love to do that, too. Like, for instance, we didn't hear D. Ford's name called a lot, but Guy was putting so much pressure on people that it freed up Bosa. Well, guess what? Now, Bosa is the... Bosa is the household name. They are going to try to stop Bosa, right, in Arizona. If I'm, you know, if I'm Cliff, I'm trying to stop Bosa. Well, guess what? you got to worry about five or six other guys. And um, I think that if Bosa didn't get a sack in this game, but D Ford got three, then that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it is definitely not a, a me mentality. It should be we. You know, you just put it best. Like, like we've been saying, you take the I out of team, you just make it we, and everything is going to work out well. And it seems like there's been very little times when the team has disagreed with each other or something happened where other guys are blaming each other, you know. You even have guys like Emmanuel Mosley, Richard Sherman, Quan Alexander, you know, the media point out certain plays and they just hold themselves accountable entirely. And you got to figure that that just goes to show how well – um just how well built this team is and how just how prepared they are to move forward and really take on any type of adversity they're going to face because you see you see a lot of teams that you know they give up a big play or they're down 14 20 points and you know everything just falls off the bus and obviously that's 
this team hasn't gone down by 20 points, but I think a close example could be when the team turned the ball over five times against the Steelers. I have not once heard in my 22 years, even when I was a baby, about teams winning games with five-plus turnovers. And you see things like that happen where that's only in week three, and you figure that, oh, well, at that point, you know, it's only week three, it's early in the season, we have stuff to work on. No, this defense, this whole team didn't give up at all. They just went out there, played their damn asses off, and they pulled out a victory against the Steelers. Yeah, I think I think that goes back to them having, you know, having tough years prior, the two tough years prior, 17 and 18. Like, you can sit and point your fingers at people all day long, but it's definitely not going to help. And in that situation, you're, by the way, you're a trillion percent right. I don't think I've ever seen a team turn the ball over five times and still win a game. Um, that is like the guttiest performance you can possibly pull off. And I, I, I mean, I saw it with my own two eyes and was beyond pumped to see it. Um, let alone my favorite play in the entire year is Juszczyk absolutely slamming Fitzpatrick to the ground. That was like maybe the best play I've seen in the last 10 years. So, so when you see that a lot, you can credit, credit me. I keep telling my editors, put that in, do we got to put that shot in? But, um, but I think that, you know, these guys aren't going to point their fingers at each other and you know what hard times are going to come. Do I think this team can go 16 and 0? Sure. Do I think they're going to? No, because it's a long, long season and it's really, really hard to do that. You know, there are very few teams who have gone undefeated. I think we can name the two that have taken an entire season and and had, you know, uh, a zero in that L column. There's only two of them, and one of them did it in, what, a 12-win 12, 12 season? Um, but I think, I think that um, – I think this team shouldn't be striving for perfection on that level. This team should be striving for, you know, get into that dance at the highest level, home field advantage stay together, don't point fingers at each other, and just work really, really hard towards that common goal because, um, because there, there's going to be some adversity. We are going to face it. It's breaking news right now. Yes, your 49ers at some point will be up against it, and how will they handle it? Hopefully they will handle it the same way they handled that Pittsburgh game. You take your lumps, you figure it out, you pull together, and hopefully you get that, you know, you get that victory. Now, if they go 16-0, would I be thrilled – Beyond, beyond, yes. I don't think that is the goal for the 49ers. Again, I'm not a coach, so I can't truly say. I think assuring that they are the top of the heap going into the into the playoffs would be most likely winning that division, getting into the playoffs, sitting nicely, and dominating who's ever in front of them. And we got some, I mean, look at the schedule in front of us. I was just talking to my father about it. You know, he's back in, in uh, on the East Coast, and you know, Saints, Green Bay, both, I think, 7-1, and one, if I'm correct. Baltimore, Seattle twice. I mean, Seattle's a legitimate team. We've got – we've got uh, – and we got to play the Rams again, by the way, defending NFC champs. We've got a massive mountain to climb in front of us. So one game at a time, and it starts Thursday. And um, I don't think – you know, I don't think the Cardinals are anything to sneeze at. We haven't put it to them in quite some time. So – got to get that person in front of you and just keep going keep going i believe the niners have lost every game against the cardinals since 2014 so we're definitely definitely looking at that streak to end and you know yeah there's no smack talking can't can't have any smack talking right now and, and i definitely i guess if i was if, if you were to ask me the question hey rob what piece of advice would you give to the 49er faithful who i adore beyond belief i would say Stay humble, stay excited, 
but stay grounded because there are nine games remaining. Anything can happen in nine games. So, you know, and by the way, pray as much as possible and do nice things for people so that your karma is nice and clean. That's what I've been trying to do too. keep my karma clean so that it comes <laughs> back to me. But yeah, you know, we're just, we're just taking it one game at a time and we're just super excited. Um, but you know, cautiously, cautiously peeing our pants, excited, just chilling right now. You know, what's making me really laugh about that is I was talking to my guys and I was like, you know, as a proper Niners fan, we're supposed to overlook the Cardinals as a win and just jump straight to the Seattle game. That's just what, you know, that's just what you're supposed to do as a Niners fan. You're supposed to look too far ahead. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, 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 you know, you do not want to give any narrative to, you know, any people out there. See, I told you, you know, the Niners are this or that, like, just handle your business, bring the sledgehammer to every fight. And then, you know, when you're done, the nice thing is knock on wood. If we handle our business here, we have 10 days to prepare for, you know, what would be arguably the team that I think is, is our biggest challenge. Seattle, for some reason, just won't go away. They're Darth Vader and we are Luke Skywalker. And how do we just slay this guy? Russell Wilson is one of those guys that you just, you watch him and you think, how does he do that? You know, in a sense, you almost think of him as like a more mobile Aaron Rodgers. You know, incredible, incredible. Yep, incredible. And I, every time he touches the ball, he can do things that other people can't do. And you know, uh, I've you know been a part of this franchise again since 2013, and and I have just seen that guy do things to us, to other teams. I would, I mean, uh, maybe a hundred times out of a hundred. If I had to draft somebody knowing what I know, he'd be one of those guys. I mean, he's just incredible. And, um, you know, he's also not a jerk. Like he's, he's, yes. he's, the, yes. he's the calm, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's, an, he's an adult leader. I mean, that guy knows what time it is. And, um, you know, you just got to respect him. If You don't have to like him. I never asked anybody to like him. But you, you got to respect the guy for, for what he does. And, you know, like Aaron Rodgers. My, you know, my son works for the Vikes. My wife is a huge Vikings fan, can't stand the Packers. But Aaron Rodgers, how do you not respect that guy? It's those type of things that we just got to make sure that our fans re remain humble and understand that that's going to be a battle. That that Monday night game, again, got to do Thursday first. But boy, oh boy, that Monday night game, if you have a chance to come to the stadium and watch it, that is going to be a, just an absolute slugfest. Yeah, you best believe I'll be out there. But, uh, you know, you said it best. <laughs> <laughs> guys like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, you know, they just they just make their team better. You know, you can put them in any situation and they will make the most of what they've got. Like they can be down 24 to nothing in the fourth quarter and you can honestly just not count them out. That's how good they are. That's it. Well, I, I'm putting my money on the second best looking Italian guy on the team. That's Jimmy G because <laughs> my wife says I'm number one. Um, but I, uh, you know, I, I, lo I love Jimmy. Jimmy's one of my favorite guys all around. And I really like where this kid is headed and he's tough as nails. Um, you know, a couple of times he takes off running and I always get a little nervous just because the fan in me gets nervous, but then I see oh, yeah. what a competitor he is. And um, I think Jimmy's day's coming. I'm excited for him. And, and, and I'm a huge Jimmy fan. You know, he's been in the league for so long and at the same time, he's only started in so few games. So in a sense, you know, he's still almost like the baby. He's he's almost like a baby. You know, he's still working through his uh, he's still working through you know his struggles, but when he's on one, he's really on one. <laughs> yeah, he um he absolutely. I mean, he he's learning. But 
God, his record is just, it's, it's unbelievable. And the guys love him. And you know what? He's, he is as humble and kind. And I mean this completely sincerely. We have never asked him to do something that he said. No, we, the guy always has a smile on his face. I tease him. He'll tease me back. Like he's, he's just a good human. Um, and you know, you want those guys in your team. You want, you know, those are the kind of people I, I, that I love that John and Kyle, they go get, I mean, these are good people. And when he succeeds, you're happy for him on more than just like the win column level. Um, that's how I see it. He's been kind to my family. He's been kind to me and, you know, nobody has to, to, to be kind to anybody in the front office or, or any of our soldiers, you know, they're, they're, they're NFL players. They can do whatever they want, but these guys are, uh, we've got a good group, man. And it starts with him. I've never seen a quarterback so, in a sense, as inexperienced as him, go out there, throw an interception or fumble the ball, go right back out there and drive down for a touchdown. That just, it really goes to show the type of mentality and the type of person he is when he's out there on the field. The guy is just not afraid to take on anything, and it's really special. No, you said it. You said it. And I think that, you know, having having a defense that plays their hearts out every week certainly is a nice, uh, you know, is a nice security blanket for him. But, you know, the cast that's around him, everybody, you know, from from the young guys like Debo all the way to, you know, George and Marquise and all these guys, you know, he's got a good, you know, stable around him and doesn't hurt to have that running game either. Um, he's 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 learning quick and we're really, really proud of him. And again, if if you like good people, he should be on the top of your list for people to root for. He, he shows it. He shows it every day. And so just to wrap it up here, I got a couple more questions for you. One of the, what do you think, uh, what do you believe is the team's biggest challenge going forward? You said it best, taking on games uh, one game at a time, one step at a time. But do you get the sense that the team is also kind of in the back of their mind looking ahead in the future? Or do you think that uh, they're just really, truly taking it one step at a time? No, no, I think I think you answered it correctly, and I and you know and, and going back to what I said, I think that's the biggest challenge. The biggest challenge is just just look, we're in uncharted territory right now. Not for the 49ers. I I came here to be a part of the 49ers because generationally they're an incredible football team, and I knew it was only a matter of time before they would be amazing, uh, not only on the business side but also on you know on the field. Um, I think just not getting ahead of themselves, you know, remaining humble, remaining calm not getting too high or too low, as corny as that sounds, that that's, that's the biggest challenge, you know, and next week we play, you know, the Cardinals, when we play the Saints, who's to say we're playing Drew Brees, when we're playing the, you know, the Packers, who's to say we're playing Aaron Rodgers, they're going to face all of their problems too. We have to literally chop down every tree that's in front of us or give it at least our best whack at that point. That's the biggest challenge. Man, Robert, you couldn't have said that any better. Thank you so much for your time. I got to ask you one more question just to close it off. If uh, if you had to choose between George Kittle and Joe Staley to do a stand-up comedy act, who would you pick and who do you think would be funniest? Man, both guys I love, but I'm going to tip off my, my awesome faithful. Um, so <laughs> we – we were sitting. I mentioned earlier that I sat with uh, with um, Fred and I sat with George. Um, there's a show called Brick by Brick that we do um, in the during training camp. All access with the 49ers. Hopefully you've seen it. We have five episodes. 
Love it. Um, I, I love that you love it. This is the first time I'm telling anybody, so you'll be the first to know. Um, I stood on the table because it's a show that we created here. I stood on the table and I asked if we could do a season part one episode and it is going to be the, the most kick-ass epic odyssey for the first eight games. Um, I, it's been in production. Um, I've already written the scripts and done all these things and I'm the executive producer and director of it and I have this unbelievable team of content creators that shoots and, and, and puts it together with me. Um, that will come out the weekend before the 11th uh the 11 11 game right the monday night um game we're just waiting to play the cardinals to finish off the first eight games um but you're like rob that doesn't answer my question well i'm about to answer your question about the comedian i'm going with george kittle because sitting with george we interviewed him right this is a true story and you're going to see it when i asked him to come in and do the interview with me we did it in this really cool little place in the stadium our identigo green room which is like this kind of like speakeasy place. And it's really nice. And it's got like mirrors and these crazy lights and couches. And George walks in in a full Batman onesie that Kiana Martin, our team reporter, had given him. <laughs> and I literally looked up and I'm like, I was waiting for the cameras to be looking at me because I'm like, Jesus, you got to be kidding me. And he's like, dude, I'm ready to go, Rob. Like, um, oh, okay, <laughs> let's, let's do the interview. And he sits down in a full Batman onesie with like a cape. And I'm thinking to answer your question, like, who, that's my guy. By the way, when I'm done tonight and when you're done doing all the hard work that you've done, and I really appreciate having me on, have you seen the George Kittle wiring that we just posted tonight on 49ers.com? No, not yet. I got to take a look at that right now because this Dude. guy is so fun to listen to. <laughs> Don't go to bed. Don't go to bed before you watch it. it. It's arguably one of the best wirings we've done. The team shot it. It was cut by one of our producers, Stephen Garcia, and he absolutely murdered it. George is just just watch it and then watch it again. And just pick out the little subtleties. Like when he's waving at the Panthers defense and he comes out and he's like, yo, what's up, dudes? And um, <laughs> when he is uh, talking with Jimmy on the sideline and um, he's, he, he, I think he might tell coach to sign Nick Bosa to a 20 year contract. Like there's, I mean, just incredible moments. So Joe is one of the best personalities we have, but I think George has a screw loose. He's just awesome. And, you know, like we are, we, he is a national treasure and we are blessed to have him. So I'm putting him in as my slot. He's my guy. He's my, he's my comic. Dude, I, I gotta ask you, I've been at every game. I've watched every game. What, what's the over under on how many hair flips he does before, during, and after the game? Oh. Because this guy hair flips so, so much. <laughs> and well, you, then you truly have been at a game because the first 10 seconds of the miking are, is him hair flipping at the camera and soaking our lens. It's pretty disgusting, but hilarious at the same time. I'm going to say maybe, gosh, every time he puts the helmet on and off, so let's call it maybe 15. I'll call it 15. <laughs> it sure as hell seems like that. It almost seems like 50 before the game even starts. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, what do you, so, yeah, you'll have to check it out. Make sure – let me know what you think about it because the team worked really, really hard on it, and I know that our communications team does a great job of – getting you know connecting with our players so that we can get a wire and get all this great footage to you guys and i'll tell you what man george just set the bar this week so you guys have to check it out yeah you know these guys are so much fun to listen to i mean you know 
we talked about this so long ago that the guys stay so calm, but then you you see guys like George Kittle who just, you know, they're just so different from the rest of the guys, but they can also remain calm too. It's really a sight to behold. It is, and he, he just has so much fun, and you'll see how much he loves football just from that wiring alone. I got to ask you one more quick thing too. Are we are we gonna see these throwback uniforms again? Am I getting paid by the Am I getting paid by the hour here? This is good. This is good <laughs> stuff. I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna join your squad. I'll get this is nice. <laughs> you know, I I'm a journal, I'm a journalism and communications major in college. So one of my favorite things to do is just to be able to interview people and talk about sports. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> last thing, last last thing. Are we gonna see the Niners throwback uniforms again? Because those uniforms are so beautiful. They are so awesome. I actually was talking to Fred about that, and he said that the whole team, I think it's Joukowsky was one of the guys, that we got to wear those every week. we got to wear – when you put up 51 on somebody, I don't care if you're wearing, like, shorts and a beanie. Like, you probably want to wear it again. Uh, I, I can't answer that question openly, ah. but I can <laughs> promise you that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lobby to make it happen because, boy, do we look sweet in those things. Like, you know, like I said, I'm 22 years old. I've only ever seen footage of Niners games in the past, and man, all those old school uniforms are just gorgeous. They are gorgeous. Not to knock the current ones now, but man, those old ones were beautiful. <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. And you know, now we got fifty-one points worth of footage in those bad boys. So, so that that's gonna be my that's my exhibit A when I go see the judge. <laughs> well, Robert. Thank you so much for your time. This has been one hell of an interview, and uh, hopefully at some point in the future, we look forward to having you on again because this was amazing. I appreciate it, and, and uh, love what you guys are doing. Um, keep it up and, and uh, stay faithful. And Anthony, you know, you had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Alberino. Um, we just heard the, the interview. What would you say was the biggest takeaway from that? I mean, you guys talked for a long time, and – it was a great interview. He was very insightful. Uh, what 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 would you say you kind of left away with thinking about the most? You know, the one big thing I want to take away, and I want you guys to take away from this too, is how he talked about the team just keeps their head down, they stay calm, and they just take things one step at a time. You hear about a lot of teams, and a lot of players will look way too far ahead, and that tends to just uh, just really disrupt the way. I guess you can say they look at things because if you have players who look too far ahead at like say the Green Bay game or the Baltimore game, you know, you're taking that much time away to look at what you're facing now. In this case, the Arizona Cardinals. So the fact that this team is just so focused on taking one big step at a time and really taking on any form of adversity and really just stepping up to the task and stepping up to the plate and facing what they have to do. You know, this team is just very humble. They're very experienced. And they, you know, the one thing that gets me about this whole team and that Robert talked about it too, was that every team, or excuse me, every player on this team just, they play like veterans. You know, even the rookies, all the guys just, they go out there and they play like they've been playing their whole life. In the NFL, at least. So I think that's the one big takeaway. The fact that this team is just, they're ready to face anything and they're ready to take on anything. Yeah, and I think it shows. Um, it shows each and every week their preparation, either physically and mentally, for each game. They come out and essentially dominate all aspects of the football game. And Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala and the rest of these coaches, they really have these guys playing at a really, really high level. 
And it's just it's great to see after so many years, like you guys were saying, five years of just essentially turmoil in the Bay Area. It's nice to have a really, really good 49ers team again to cheer for. Now, um, speaking of keeping the sights set on one game at a time, the 49ers uh, tonight will be playing the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday Night Football. Uh, they have a very short week, like we talked about the last episode. They played Sunday, turn right around a couple days later, and play again on Thursday. So what would you say is the kind of the biggest reason why this Cardinals football team can be dangerous and can actually pose a threat against the 49ers and their undefeated record? The one big thing that the Arizona Cardinals run is the spread offense. This is when you'll typically see four wide receivers on the field, one running back, or even five wide receivers. And when teams run this style of offense, it tends to put defensive backs and linebackers on an island. You know, you can play zone coverage, but a lot of the time, you will get guys who are going to be matched up one-on-one. And obviously this season, Kyler Murray has been dangerous. You know, he's still a rookie. Obviously, he's going through his rookie lumps. He will fumble the ball. He will throw interceptions. Although I believe he hasn't thrown an interception in his last three or four games. The point being, though, is that this guy can throw the hell out of the ball. He's, you know, almost like a true gunslinger. And the biggest challenge that the Niners are going to face against Arizona is having to just constantly cover all game. Now, I do believe the pass rush is going to be able to get to Arizona and be able to get to Kyler Murray because, you know, his offensive line is not good at all. But in instances where, say, the pass rush can't give, get to him and you give Kyler Murray too much time, he can throw the hell out of the ball. And, I mean, the DBs for us have been playing very well this year. But guys like Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, you know, they all can get open somehow. They all have uh, some kind of unique quality that can really be a problem for our defensive backs. And, I mean, on top of Kyler Murray throwing the ball – he can run with the ball, too. The guy is a dangerous runner. So I think the biggest challenge that uh, the Niners are going to have to face and what makes Arizona dangerous is simply put Kyler Murray. You know, David Johnson's going to be out. Chase Edmonds is going to be out. So this is going to be a huge Kyler Murray game. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the team has just almost been entirely game planning for him all week. Yeah, I mean, you said it. You, you hit the nail right on the head. There's a reason why the Cardinals passed up on Nick Bosa and literally everybody else in the draft to take Kyler Murray first overall. Um, and it's, you know, Cliff Kingsbury loves Kyler Murray when they were coaching uh, years ago. You know, he said, if you had the chance to go and get Kyler Murray, you don't, you don't pass on it. So I think he's pretty much in the perfect fit for him coming into the NFL and running a, a offense like Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Uh, like you said, David Johnson's going to be out. Edmonds is going to be out. Uh, they just traded for the running back, uh, I believe, Kenyon Drake. They signed Alfred Morris off the street. So this Cardinals team, they may be, you know, it, it reminds me of when the 49ers played uh, the Washington Redskins two weeks ago when everybody was kind of coming out saying, this is a trap game, this is a trap game. I'm not going as far as saying that this game is a trap game. However, it kind of has the makings of one, especially coming off of, you know, a short week and the, this team's going to Arizona. They're just they just had, you know, the national spotlight essentially put on them by blowing out a really, really good Carolina Panthers team. Nick Bosa especially has been, you know, being talked about for possibly uh, not only defensive rookie of the year, but defensive player of the, or yeah, defensive player of the year. So 
it, it has the makings of it, and that's what I also think can make this Cardinals team so dangerous is that not necessarily them or the players or you know, but it's just the entire environment going into this game. You take everything into context, and it kind of it just has that little bit of a, a dangerous feel to it. And the 49ers historically, especially recently, have not matched up well against the Cardinals. Um, and, and granted, you know this is a this is a totally different 49ers team here. But however, I I think if I read it correctly, the 49ers have lost like eight straight to the Cardinals, which is ridiculous. I mean, I remember last year Josh Rosen lit us up, and you know, no disrespect to Josh Rosen, but he was not a great quarterback, especially with the Cardinals. So it has the makings to be a very, very, very tough game for the 49ers. It could be a total slugfest, you know, so it's interesting to see how the 49ers are going to come out, if they're going to show that they're prepared or if they're going to show that they're, you know, tired and slackish and they're not ready, which I highly doubt, but it's possible, you know, anything's possible. Um, Speaking of Kyler Murray being taken over Nick Bosa, Anthony, do you think that the Cardinals made the right choice? Do you think that they should have picked Bosa or any other player for that matter? You know, I was thinking about this kind of all this week and last week. Is uh, One of the Cardinals podcasts I was listening to, they were talking about how uh, Kingsbury and obviously Kime chose Kyler Murray over Nick Bosa. And they were talking about how Kyler Murray would have arguably been more effective in uh, this type of offense than Josh Rosen at the time. And I was really thinking about it, and I thought, like, you know, obviously two different positions, but you look at Nick Bosa, and in Arizona, you would have put him alongside uh, Chandler Jones, and that would have been a really solid edge-rushing duo. But at the same time, you look at Kyler Murray's impact, and I mean, the guy just breathes life into offense. I mean, if Josh Rosen was back there, I honestly don't know if Arizona has a win this season. So I think Kyler Murray was the right pick for Arizona, you know, Arizona is probably going to be picking top 10, top 15 again this year, so they'll have all the chance in the world to get another edge player if they need it. But you look at what Kyler Murray's done, you look at how he's playing, and you realize that even if things haven't exactly gone right for Arizona, Kyler Murray still gives that team a chance to win. And I think if they would have drafted Bosa, I think he would have really helped that defense immensely, but I don't think Bosa would have been able to win games unlike Kyler Murray. And I'm not knocking Nick Bosa. I mean, Nick Bosa is a fantastic player. But obviously, the most important position in all of football is the quarterback. And again, you look at how Kyler Murray plays. And, you know, whether they're down 20 or they're down 3, it seems like Kyler Murray gives them the best chance to win. So I think Arizona made the right choice to take Kyler Murray. Although you do look at Nick Bosa and you think, well, what if Kingsbury could have made Rosen work and Nick Bosa was on the Cardinals? So it kind of goes both ways, but... I'm just really glad Arizona took Kyler because Bosa is just rocking it with the Niners right now. Yeah, it was literally like the best case scenario for the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan was kind of joking that they didn't have a plan B. And he goes, you know, of course we had a plan B, but I didn't I didn't want to think about it. Nick Bosa was the player that we wanted. He was the guy that we kind of had our sights set on all along. We felt that the Cardinals were going to draft Kyler Murray. So it, we, they happened to luck out. And, you know, just like uh, Mr. Alberino said earlier on the interview, the 49ers had, you know, the way you can look at it either way, glass half full, glass half empty kind type. But 
if Jimmy doesn't get injured, the 49ers probably pick somewhere, you know, in the mid-teens, early teens. There's no way they get Nick Bosa without giving up a lot of capital to trade up. So it was it was sort of a blessing in disguise because everybody last year in the offseason was already picking the 49ers as a dark horse contender for the Super Bowl. Jimmy goes out, they have a sort essentially a lost season and then they're picking number 2 overall and it's just that one little piece in Jimmy Garoppolo who has a, such a huge impact on this offense on this team in general that the fact that he comes back and you add people like Nick Bosa and Adebo Samuel and you know other players in the draft that it really really helped this 49ers team grow exponentially you know Nick Bosa is a a franchise player he's really really a game changer as we've seen through seven games this season for the 49ers so it was just a huge huge addition to the team and none of that would have been possible if you know Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't gotten injured so and of course I'm not wishing injury on anybody if if you know if there was a way to have Jimmy healthy and still get Bosa that would be the way to go However, you just have to look at it how it went, and the 49ers kind of made the best of a bad scenario by being able to luck out and get Nick Bosa. Um, moving on to the game a little bit more, I have two questions for you. What would a win against the Arizona Cardinals mean for this team? And then how about a loss? Just equally as you know, important, what would a loss mean for this 49ers team against this Cardinals? these Cardinals? So I'll start with the loss. I think if the Niners lose to Arizona, you know, they're just going to get blasted by the media. And I mean, everyone's going to say, oh, see, we told you so. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't a franchise quarterback. The defense was vastly overrated. They haven't been tested. And then they're going to say like, oh, Arizona isn't even a test and yet they couldn't win that game and blah, blah, blah. But in my honest opinion, if the Niners lose this Arizona game, I think it'll have bigger implications than some people think, and here's why. Winning division games is huge. You know, you could be facing the worst team in your division and only beat them by three points, and you're going to question yourself and question the team as to why they didn't go out there and win better or win by 10, you know? And so for the Niners to really establish themselves as the kings of the NFC West, they need to win this game. If they lose to Arizona, I think whatever would happen that means Arizona obviously exposed something about the Niners and you know the Niners just need to keep that tough guy face you need to keep that you know tough mentality that hey this is our block this is our division here's why we own it and losing to Arizona would really just knock them off the pedestal and plus two at this point with the way the rest of the NFC is shaping out Green Bay is 7-1 New Orleans is 7-1 I believe Seattle is what 6-2 you know, every game at this point matters. And, you know, we talked about it, I believe, in our first podcast is, uh, you know, at the end of the year, home field advantage and winning the division might just come come down to one game. And, you know, you hear some some people talk about how, oh, if the Niners lose a game, that'll at least humble them. It's like, no, they need to go out there and win every single game. And, you know, like I said, it starts with beating Arizona because, you know, just losing a division game, doesn't look good. It point blank does not look good. And if the Niners win, well, pretty much the opposite of everything I just said. You know, 
I think this is probably one of their bigger must-win games of the year. And again, they need to win division games. If I want to take the Niners serious, and a lot of people need to take them serious, they need to win division games. And I know Arizona looks like an easy win, but anything can happen on Thursday Night Football. But the bigger picture of the whole thing is, like I've been saying this whole little rant here, the Niners need to win their division games. They need to put their foot on the gas, just ram the Cardinals and say, look, we're not the ones to mess around with. Because again, this is our division, we're the Kings, and they just need to go out there and win every single game. Because at the end of the year, it's going to be one hell of a tight division. A tight conference, honestly. Yeah, and especially talking about uh, this conference and how there's really no room for for any slip-ups and you know talking about you know a a loss will humble this team well the majority of these these guys were on the team last year and they were nothing but humbled so I think they remember that feeling uh even if they weren't here I'm sure the guys that you know are rookies this year were very well informed by the rest of the team how they don't want to go back to that they don't want to go back to, you know, being the laughing stock of the league. They don't want to go back to being a historically bad defense. So they're probably teaching and coaching these younger guys up to make sure they do everything in their power to avoid that. And just like you were saying, you know, a loss could a loss could be really bad for this team. And you know, um especially for just mentality uh, thinking about if they lose to a team like the Cardinals, how are they going to win against the team like the Saints or the Packers? You know, if they have to go up in Seattle in the in the postseason, if they have to go to New Orleans, so those games, and not only that, but it it provides a blueprint for other teams in the NFC or you know in the NFL in general to say this is how the Cardinals did it, and this is how. You know, if we if we just duplicate the way they did it, then we have a, a realistic chance of beating this team. So it, it it's it's obviously a negative and a multitude of factors, but it 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 mainly is that good teams win the the games they're supposed to win, and the 49ers, if they lost this team, it would be a major setback as far as where we thought they were at this point in the season. So I, I, I agree with you 100% that it's it's essentially one of the bigger must-wins. Um, every game, you could argue, is a must-win game. Uh, this week, each week is the most important game of the season. However, because this is such a game, I mean, they're favored by 10 points on the road. They need to win this game. There's really no excuses as to why they wouldn't. So we're going to wrap this up pretty quickly. We're going to move into our RGS mailbag. And uh, our first question we have from Brandon or BWSQ50 on Twitter. And we talked about this a little in the last episode. We kind of referenced it earlier in this episode. Do you think Bosa wins Rookie of the Year? At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins Defensive Player of the Year. Um, yes, I do think so. Josh Allen has been very impressive. Brian Burns has been very impressive as well. Uh, Devin Bush has looked really good on the Steelers too. But at the end of the day, the guy who gets the most sacks and the guy who gets the most pressures is ultimately, you know, he's like the bread maker. He's he's just the go-to guy, and Nick Bosa is that. You know, kind of hot take here. If Nick Bosa keeps it up, I wouldn't be surprised if he's an AP All-Pro player in his rookie year. That's how good he is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to argue against that. Uh, when you have, <clears throat> excuse me, when you have all pros like Richard Sherman coming out saying that 
he's he's you know should be the front runner for defensive player of the year and you know let alone rookie of the year and the last time that a rookie has won defensive player of the year and uh and the defensive rookie of the year was back in 1981 when Lawrence Taylor the great LT of the New York Giants did it so it, it's definitely a very very high standard that we've only seen once happen in the entirety of the NFL or at least in the, in the last, you know, what, 30, 40 years. So the fact that Nick Bosa is even in conversation for this to happen is amazing. But it, it's hard to argue against the stats and what, what he's put on tape so far in seven games that he shouldn't be, at least at the very, very least, in the conversation for it. Like you said, guys like uh, Josh Allen, Brian Burns are playing, you know, good football, arguably equally as good. However... Josh Allen has done what he's done and he's played a whole extra game. So Nick Bosa is doing it off one less game. The 49ers have already had their bye week. A lot of teams haven't had that. So I'm totally with you that not only should he be in contention for rookie of the year, but you know, overall defensive player of the year. Now my, our next question uh, comes from Roy and he was saying, what would you say to people who say that the Niners haven't really played any good teams yet? I honestly think it's just a bunch of crap. I'm sorry. The Niners didn't pick out their schedule. They didn't pick out the teams they play. They obviously didn't get to choose that Cam Newton was hurt, Ben Roethlisberger was hurt, you know, and all that BS. The Niners are just going out there playing one game at a time, and they're smoking the hell out of their opponents. So to say that they're tested is ridiculous. And, you know, Alberino said he saw something special with his team Honestly, at the beginning of training camp, when he saw that all the team came in, and, you know, one thing he talked about was his military experience. And, you know, after all the Navy stuff the Niners did, coming into this training camp, they really looked like they were going to be uh, just a force to reckon with. And he also talked about how, you know, seeing all those guys on the field, you know, the 90-plus guys during training camp, he knew it was going to be a hard decision for Lynch and Shanahan to have to make cuts. And when you're coming into the season already – struggling with who to cut because of all your players are good that should be a pretty clear indication that your team is going to go pretty damn far so I believe that the Niners have really been tested all season you know you can find a lot of different ways in which they've been tested uh consistency on offense on defense Jimmy Garoppolo's quarterback play uh the pass rush the secondary you know you can even argue that the receiving core has not been good at all that's been a pretty big test for the Niners and you know, the fact that the running game has been one of the best in football and the Niners have only needed their receivers slightly just really goes to show how well-prepared the Niners are. And I I really do believe that when it's going to come down to just a shootout, I think Garoppolo is going to be able to sling the ball like he has shown us. And people who question the wide receiver unit are instantly going to forget the wide receiver unit. I mean, all those guys are ready to ball out. They just need to, they just need the chance. So these guys are ready to play. They've been tested, and I think every week is just a test. It, it doesn't matter who they play. It's the situation they're playing in and just what goes into the game itself. Yeah, this team definitely has a lot of depth, and it's obvious by you know players like Staley and McGlinchey going out, and they're still performing at a pretty high level. So this team, you know, they've built a very, very solid team, in all aspects. So I think um, 
like you said, it's it's a load of crap. And you can only play who's on your schedule. They have no control over that. And it's not just uh, the fact that they've, they're winning against these weaker teams. My argument would be, look at how 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 much they're winning by. I mean, they they won their opening game on the road on the East Coast uh, by 14 points. Then the following game again in the East Coast by 24 points. Uh, you could argue that their home opener they essentially were playing themselves most of the game with five turnovers, so they only won by four points. However, the next week they come back, beat the the Browns by 28 points go on the road to a tough divisional matchup in L.A. against the Rams, beat them by 13 points, pretty much playing a monsoon the following week, shut out the Redskins, and win by 9 points. And then we all know what happened last week when they blew out the Panthers by 38 points at home. So it's not just the fact that they're winning. They're blowing these teams out of the park. It's not even a ball game for the most part, maybe for half of the first quarter before this team starts really clicking for the day. But... You know, nobody, nobody's saying this about the Patriots. Nobody's saying, you know, I don't know about the Patriots. You know, they, they, they haven't really played anybody. I tweeted out the other day, look at their schedule. I mean, you could argue that they have two tough games, possibly three the whole season. And nobody's nobody's even mentioning the fact that they have a really, really easy schedule. I know they were talking about it in, you know, July and August or whenever the, the schedules came out. However, it really hasn't been a, a talking point ever since. So I think that there's really nothing to be said. And, and, and the bottom line is that it's all going to sort itself out. The, you know, the, the, the back end of this team, the 49ers schedule gets pretty tough uh, after this week. Uh, like we've said before, they host the Seahawks at home on Monday night. And then after going uh, hosting the Cardinals, then they have the Packers at home. And then they go on the road to the Ravens. And then they go on the road to New Orleans. And then, you know, they end up finishing with the Rams at home. And then they, they the week 17 is in Seattle. So it's not like the, this whole entire um, season for them is, you know, cupcakes. It's a, it, it ends very, very rough. And it's always hard to go into Seattle regardless of what team they have there. And as long as you're playing against a Russell Wilson, there's always a chance of losing, a realistic chance. So... It's all going to sort itself out. This team's going to let us know who they are and what they're made of uh, in the last five, six weeks of the season, which is coming up pretty soon. So I'd say just wait and see. If you're still not sold on this team, which I'm not sure how much more they would have needed to have done to sell you, then just wait and see because they'll they'll definitely keep playing this brand of football. You know, a tough running game and a very, very stout defense that plays everywhere that that can travel so there's really no no reason to kind of rush and, and need to crown them right now the, like Richard Sherman says if you had us going 13 and 3 in you know July and August then keep, keep us going 13 and 3 it's really not a problem so let's go ahead and wrap things up here um before we we end up talking for another hour or so like I know we can tonight's matchup Cardinals 49ers in the desert give me a, a final score prediction, and, you know, B, like we do, pick a player and predict their stats. I think this is going to be a shootout, but I don't think it's going to be a tight shootout. I think the Niners are going to turn the ball over, or excuse me, I think Arizona is going to turn the ball over. That Niners defense is just going to, they're just going to really expose Arizona. So I think we'll see Kyler Murray throw a couple interceptions. I think we'll see him throw or fumble the ball a couple times. 
It's going to happen. The Niners are going to put up points, but just because Arizona turns the ball over doesn't mean they can't score too because they do have a pretty active offense. So if I had to predict a final score, I think the Niners can put up 40 on Arizona. Uh, Arizona's defense is pretty solid. You know, they have a decent pass rush. They have pretty okay linebackers. They can't really cover that well, but they can rush pretty well. And, you know, the secondary isn't too bad. Patrick Peterson, obviously, Buda Baker, you know, those guys can ball when given the chance. So, at the end of the day, though, I think Shanahan is going to expose the hell out of Arizona. You know, I think I'm going to roll with uh, San Francisco 44, Arizona 26. It's going to be a high-scoring game, but the Niners can definitely put up 40 on Arizona, no doubt. And give me your player, predict a player's stats for me. Okay. So I said it I said it in the last pod that George Kittle's gonna go off for two hundred plus yards. Well, I think I'm still gonna roll with that. Jordan Hicks is one of the linebackers on Arizona who is likely going to be shadowing George Kittle, unless they decide to cover him with Patrick Peterson. That's a different story. But aside from that, I think this is going to be George Kittle's blowout game. This is gonna be the best game of his career. I think he's gonna shatter the single uh single game tight end yards record. Uh I think he's gonna get two touchdowns. So whatever the record is, I think, God, like 237, I want to say it was, or like 197, some really high high amount, whatever it is, I think Kittle's going to put up over 200 receiving yards and two touchdowns, no doubt about it. All right, man, like I said last week, I have George Kittle on my fantasy team, so I can only hope you're right. <laughs> but um, as far as my final score prediction, I think it's going to be a relatively big uh, point differential between the two teams. I'm going to go with, um, let's see, I'm going to go with 31 to 14. I see here the over-under is, uh, what was it, 43. So I think that's about, that's a good point total. Uh, what is it, 31 to 14. And as far as my player prediction, I'm going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in order for George Kittle to have a big game to kind of fulfill your prediction. Jimmy Garoppolo would need to have a big game. Uh, this team's kind of given up a good amount of yardage through the air. I think they're averaging, uh, let me see, I had it right here, 296 in the air per game. So I, I, I say Jimmy throws for about, I'm going to go 280 and three touchdowns and the kind of, you know, weekly Jimmy Garoppolo interception, regardless of who he's playing. Hopefully he can get that under control, but... I think he still he still throws one this week. So final score thirty one to fourteen, Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm gonna go twenty five of twenty nine, two hundred and eighty yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Again, guys, I wanted to thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh and a huge thank you to uh again 49ers VP Robert Alberino for coming on and talking to Anthony for you know so long that was really nice of him and thank you guys for constantly supporting us again uh, follow us on Twitter at RGS pod and you can follow me at Zach Hernan Anthony go ahead and uh, let the folks know where to hear you and if you have any final words all right guys as always the Twitter handle the Twitter handle, <laughs> the Twitter handle for your boy Perry is Perry P E R R Y underscore four nine E R S. That's Perry underscore forty niners. And uh, just a closing thought, man. I'm really excited for this Arizona game. I do think this game, after watching how Carolina went, 
is finally going to be the big test the Niners need, quote, big test, because Arizona is very beatable, but I think the defense for the Niners is going to be tested. Like I said, that spread offense is going to put a lot of our DBs and linebackers on an island, and they're going to really need to cover. And if they cover well and force Kyler Murray out of the pocket or force Kyler Murray to run into a sack, I think this game could be over very quickly. So... So the defense needs to be ready because, like I said, this could be one hell of a shootout. Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm already picturing the 49ers getting out to an early lead and then just being able to let Bosa and D Ford and, you know, Eric Armstead just pin their ears back and get after Kyler Murray. I know he's a mobile quarterback, but just the fact of not having to worry about, you know, keeping it a tight game or anything like that, just already having a comfortable lead and just strictly focusing on getting home to the quarterback. It's going to be great, man. Uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify. Go ahead and go find us there. Whatever you find, your, your, whatever you listen to your podcasts on, we should be on there. Um, if there's for some reason something we're not on, shoot us a tweet and we'll, we'll get it all figured out. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in, and hopefully we can catch catch up with you guys on the 49ers or 8-0.